Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Thank you for all the music this morning. A nation at risk. We're in Isaiah chapter 1. When you read in the Bible that God curses and blesses nations, it would be wise for nations to heed that and apply it to themselves, lest they risk God's cursing upon their nation rather than their blessings. In the book of Isaiah, it's named after a man whose name was Isaiah. And he was a prophet. And what he did wasn't popular at the time. They didn't like what he had to say because he knew from God that that nation was moving in the wrong direction. And because he loved God and because he loved his nation, he had to speak out against it. And what we need in America today are more preachers that are willing to stand in pulpits and proclaim both what is wrong and proclaim what we need to do to fix it. And they themselves may sometimes come under the same um, criticism as did Isaiah. But it would be remiss for preachers to be silent. Preachers must speak out. In fact, for us to see our land healed, it's not going to start in Washington. It's not going to start in Lansing. It's not going to be done by the Republicans, the Democrats, or the Independents. For healing of our land to come, it's going to start in the hearts of Christians and in churches. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 1, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jothan, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Verse number three. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Listen to this. Ah, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. A seed of evil doers. Children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. You look at that verse and it says, The ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. I'm afraid more and more you can put, And America doth not know. There are still, thankfully, many good Christians and many good churches in America, many good citizens in America. 
But the trend we see in our country, the social trend, the cultural trends, the political trends, they have to be disconcerting. I mean, the trends are obvious to anyone that's willing to look, and to a Christian, the trend is obviously in the wrong direction. I remember a day when we used to pledge allegiance in my elementary school to the flag and then bowed our head in prayer. That probably sounds so foreign to kids today in school. We used to do that and not think anything of it, prayer in the school. But today it's unheard of. Is that America going in the right direction? Used to be, and young people will find this almost unbelievable, but those of you in my generation and and, and older, remember when stores were closed on Sunday? I mean, you might find a gas station, a restaurant, and, and motels, but you didn't go to Penny's on Sunday. You I'll show my age. The kids won't know what I'm talking You didn't go to Montgomery Ward on Sunday. <laughs> you know. Now, is that a good trend or a bad trend? You know, that says something about where we were and where we are now. I remember a day and a time when you left your house. When I, we left our house, 4135 Sycamore Street. My mom is here. I'm looking at her. I remember the address, 4135 Sycamore Street. And our phone number was EL50646. What are you looking at, Sharon? Like, how do I remember? I don't. <laughs> I can't remember our anniversary, but I, <laughs> but I can remember my phone number. Any of you remember those prefixes, EL or Dickens or, or whatever? Yeah. No, you used to leave. You didn't lock the house when you ran to the store. And when you got out at the store to go into the store, you left your keys in the ignition. How many of you remember that? Do you do that anymore? My brother down in Louisiana recently, he pulled up in the driveway. He's, he's a contractor. He pulled up in the driveway of this house and left his keys in his Prius. And I joke with my brother all the time. He's a contractor. He doesn't drive a truck. He drives a Prius. I give him a Anyway, he, he had to go, he, he was checking out this job site and he just went to the backyard to check out something real quick, okay? Back there for two or three minutes, checking out something. He comes back, the car's gone. The direction we're going to any reasonable, rational people, person has got to be disconcerting. Here's the purpose of the two messages today. A nation that drifts from God is at risk of experiencing the judgment of God. A nation would do well to take heed when it is at risk and come back to God before it experiences the wrath of God. I'm not a prophet like Isaiah, but I'm the preacher for today, and I'm telling you folks, if we don't turn this thing around, we will experience the wrath of God. It will happen. I fear for my children and grandchildren. And again, let me encourage you now. I'm not going to, if you you leave just after this morning service, you might go away a little discouraged. I don't mean for that. You've got to come back this afternoon because there is an answer. There is hope. There's things I'm excited about. There's things we can do and we ought to do, and we'll focus on that this evening. But let's continue this morning. Where are we in Isaiah? One writer said, Isaiah prophesied from 739 to 681 B.C. to a nation 
that had turned a deaf ear to the Lord. Instead of serving him with humility and offering love to their neighbors, the nation of Judah offered meaningless, that's significant what this man says here, Judah offered meaningless sacrifices. And you go back in chapter 1 of Isaiah and you'll see what he's talking about. In God's temple at Jerusalem and committed injustices throughout the nation. In other words, at this time, they still were going through the motions of being spiritual. But they were offering meaningless sacrifices. I mentioned this the last several services and I want to start with it this morning. What I think should be of... Uh, importance to all of us is that not only does God deal with us as individuals, not only does God deal with us as families, but God deals with us as nations. Okay, that, That's significant. That's important. Uh, see that God judges nations. Look, Isaiah 1-4. He doesn't address an individual. He doesn't address a family. He says, ah, sinful nation. He is judging an entire people, group. Being a citizen of whatever country it might be has consequences. And being a part of a nation means that you as a nation and as a part of people are going to experience God's blessings or you're going to experience God's cursings. Scripture, Psalm thirty-three, twelve: Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. He doesn't say blessed is the nation that has this political, you know, this party is prevalent or that party is prevalent. He doesn't say anything about political parties here. He said blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So you can experience as a citizen of the United States the blessings of God or you're going to be in position to experience the cursings. Malachi 3 9, you are cursed with a curse for ye have robbed me even this whole nation. And when God judges a nation, it will affect every single one of us. He can judge us through an economy, through plagues, through weather, through an enemy, which will affect each and every one of us. In other words, we all have a stake and how our nation is doing. We all have a stake as to what's going on in New York. It matters to us in Little Ohio. What's going on in Missouri or what's going on in California. We have a stake in all of that. God judges nations. So we would be wrong to stick our head in the sand or to become hermits and just isolate ourselves. No, God has put us here as salt and light to affect our na- to affect our neighbors, to affect our neighborhoods, and through hundreds of thousands of churches doing that all across this land, affecting a nation as a whole. We need to understand, you know, you, you can't fix a problem unless you first know or acknowledge you have a problem. Isaiah, in chapter 5 of the book of Isaiah, is letting those people know that they got a problem. And he mentions six different woes upon Israel. Six different condemnations. Those woes were indicating, as he spelled them out to those people, and by the way, they didn't want to hear it. He was not a popular man. 
But he spells out these woes to these people. Now, what I find interesting about these woes is the same concern that Isaiah had for Israel. The problems that he lists. This is their indictment. Now, this is an indictment. This is what you're charged with. What he is going to charge them with, as I see it, we are guilty of the same thing. And that should concern all of us. It shouldn't discourage us. should not depress us. But it should concern us. Let's look at those six woes quickly this morning. And we will know from this when a nation is at risk. Number one, a nation is at risk when greed prevails. God's not going to put up with it. He says it in his word. He said it about Israel. Isaiah 5, 8. Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there be no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of earth. Now, that's the wording there. You know, you just read it like I just read it. What does that mean? Well, we don't have time to spend a whole message on that one verse. So let me just give you what one comment. I'm going to give you a commentator's views on each of these verses because some of them are a little hard to discern. But here's, here's, here's what that verse means. Here's a commentator's take on that verse. The Lord had made it clear to them in the law that the land belonged to him and that it was to be equally distributed to all the families in Israel. However, in their greed, the people were gobbling up as much land as they could. Woe unto them that joined house to house. In their greed, the people were gobbling up as much land as they could, which was cheating the people out of their God-given possessions. People became greedy. And God is not going to sit idly by when he sees a nation like the United States, which really was born in faith, And based on the word of God, that's undeniable, having been his people as a nation, when we turn greedy, he's not going to say that's okay. Is there evidence of greed today? Well, I think there is. The lottery, I think, is evidence of greed. Who plays the lottery the most? Poor people. Did you know that? And poor people taking advantage of other poor people? You know, to me, why would you even think about doing such a thing? Why would you think about taking somebody else's money when they know the odds are 500 million billion to one that that they might win? You say, well, they have a right to do that. Not in God's economy. There's something morally wrong about that. There's a right way to be taken care of, and that's not the right way. You know, the Bible's very clear about that. We as Christians have to think. Uh, Casinos, again. They, they say the people that are hurt the most are the poor people. They're going there on a hope and a prayer. Well, that would be a worthless prayer. You know, that, and thinking, you know, I'm going to come home with something. Well, you're not going to get it from the casino. You're going to get it from the other people that are there losing it. You're going to take somebody else's resources. You know, you know, and there's no way you can justify that. Not spiritually. There are ways to earn income. That just becomes greedy. I'm going to just take advantage of somebody tell you another evidence of greed in America today is just the absence of Christians tithing. When Christians don't tithe, they're spending it on themselves. And all the Lord asks is a tenth, and when he asks for the tenth, he says, look, you give me the tenth, and I'm going to repay you abundantly beyond that. And yet many Christians today, well, they're not going to go there. So the Lord, through Isaiah, was saying, this people have joined house to house. They're gaining, they're, 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 they're gobbling up, they, they want it on themselves. They are a greedy people. And I think there's much evidence of that in our nation today. That's the first woe. The second woe, 
A nation is at risk when alcohol is the primary pursuit. Isaiah 5.11, here's the second woe. And this is to Israel. This would be to America too. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink and continue until night, till wine inflame them. And the harp and the vial and the tabard and the pipe and wine are in their feast, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. Israel had become a party people, a drunken party people. Go on the internet and see how much information you will find about parties and the problems with parties and all the issues, particularly on college campuses, even high school parties, adult parties. It's terrible. Listen to what this commentator says about this. Isaiah pronounces a woe upon the nation for their partying lifestyle. They had pursued a lifestyle of debauchery, and many were drunkards to the point that they even woke up early in the morning in order to pursue getting drunk. Is there evidence of that today? Sharon and I are amazed. We'll watch House Hunters, you know, and almost every show there is some reference to alcohol. Have have any of you ever noticed that? Well, we could enjoy drinks out here. Oh, there's a wine rack right there. Oh, we could have our, we could put the keg over here. And we've got this little thing going where when they mention something about alcohol, we'll go ding, 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 ding. We're ding, ding, ding in a lot. And that's in a show as innocent as, as house hunters. That's the prevalence of alcohol today. Alcohol is a major problem in businesses. It's a major problem in the home. It's a major problem in accidental deaths and injuries that should not have ever occurred. In fact, I read that in the business world along, alcohol-related problems in the business world, people not showing up for work or accidents at work, $249 billion a year. Alcohol. Isaiah was saying to the people of Israel, you got a problem. You've forgotten God. Partying and drinking have taken over. This man is saying from this pulpit, hopefully not with you folks, but with so many folks out there. Do you, you know how many folks can't conceive of a wedding without alcohol? Have you, any of you run into that? I mean, if you say there's not going to be alcohol, they're like, well, what are we going to do? Now, that, that's how prevalent the problem has become. That's the second woe. The third woe. A nation is at risk when deception is prevalent. Here's Isaiah telling the people of Israel. Verse number 18. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity. And this is another one of those verses. It's a little, needs a little explaining. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin, as it were, with a cart rope. They say, let him make speed and hasten his work, that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. What does that mean? Well, that same commentator, he says on these verses, This woe is pronounced upon those who are deceived in their iniquity. They sin, but not openly or directly in their own mind. And thus they sense, they rationalize their actions, they don't see themselves as doing wrong. That's what Isaiah was telling those people then. That's what this preacher is telling the world today. That there are so many people that justify their sins. And and, and in the Christian world, 
Do you know there are, there's an ever-growing number of churches that do not believe that there is a hell? There's an ever-number-growing of churches that actually believe that. There is an ever-number-growing of churches that believe that the Bible is filled with errors, mistakes, and contradictions. There are an ever-increasing number of churches that believe we are under grace, therefore, pretty much do as you please. If you read as much as I read and study as much as I study and keep up with things like I keep up, you, this would not surprise you at all. You would not, this is, these are trends. And that's what was happening in Israel then when Isaiah is pronouncing his woes. That's what's happening in America today. Number four, I got to be quick here. A nation is at risk when perversion is popular. Isaiah 5.20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Again, let's consult our commentator. He says, when a nation values gets twisted around to such an extent that godly conduct is condemned as being evil, and conversely, an evil act is called good, then this is a harbinger of the coming judgment of the Lord. Is there evidence of that today? You know, they, they, they celebrate, you know, I, I have sympathy for people that struggle with their sexual identity, and no doubt some people struggle with that. But when you applaud that and condemn preachers, something's messed up. Something is is terribly a foul. Yes, we should love people that struggle like that, and we should help them, but we should never condone it. You know, you, you can never condone what God condemns. Whether the world likes it or not, I cannot stand in this pulpit and condone what God condemns. Now, should we love people? Should we help people? Should we people who struggle with different things? Absolutely. We shouldn't be mean. We shouldn't be uh, hateful or, or, or harm them in any way. But we can't at the same time say, let's celebrate it. You can't celebrate what the Bible calls an abomination. You can't do it. So a nation is at risk when perversion is popular. A nation is at risk when pride predominates. Isaiah 5.21, Woe unto them, talking about the nation of Israel, but it can apply to the U.S. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Our commentator says, The people of the nation of Israel truly thought that they were shrewd and wise, for in their own eyes they were puffed up in their estimation of themselves. Is there evidence in our country as a country that we have become proud as a nation? Is there evidence that we're lifted up in pride? I would say when you vote prayer out of the schools, that for sure is evidence. That's it. We don't need God. God's not important. That's exactly what Isaiah is talking about there for Israel. And it applies to us today. When you start teaching evolution in the schools... You're, you're teaching God doesn't exist. It all happened. I mean, that's an evidence of pride. We don't need God. We don't believe in God. Do you know it started out years ago that they taught creation in schools? You know that. And then the evolutionists came along and they said, look, give us equal time. And then they did. And now guess what? The creationists have been outlawed. It's gone full circle. How about evidence? We're talking about evidence of us being a proud nation. 
How about evidence of removing crosses and the Ten Commandments from public places? What is that saying as a nation? We don't need God. We don't want God. That's what Isaiah was concerned about 700 years before the birth of Christ. And that's what Bible-believing preachers anyway are concerned about today. Because as I read Isaiah, my heart breaks. When I get to heaven, I want to meet Isaiah. Because I'm sure he wasn't a popular man. And he preached what God laid on his heart. And I'm sure he was criticized. And I'm sure he was made fun of. But he had to preach the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. And lastly, number six. A nation is at risk when corruption pollutes. When corruption pollutes. Here's the sixth woe that Isaiah issued to Israel. A people that once loved God and had drifted away from him. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine. And men of strength, in other words, leaders, to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Our writer says, in Isaiah's day, justice went to the highest bidder. The judges were routine, routinely justifying the wicked for a bribe, as well as taking away the rights of the ones who are in the right. For this, the nation would be judged harshly by the Lord. Is there evidence of corruption today in America? Is there evidence that it's most likely getting worse and worse? And I'm talking about at the federal level, at the state level, and at the local level. And that's not to say all politicians are corrupt. They're not. I know some very fine, very fine, good Christian men in in Lansing. And there's, there's some good Christian men in Washington. But what is the trend? What, what are we seeing happening? You see, Isaiah walked with the Lord. And he saw the direction of his nation. And the Lord put the words in his mouth to cry out against the sin in the land and call the people back to God. Because the direction they were going, whether they agreed with it or not, the direction they were going was going to result in their cursing. Life was going to get hard. Life was going to get hard for their kids, their grandkids, for them. I mean, and again, God can judge a nation in so many different ways. He can bring storms. He can bring hurricanes. He can bring volcanoes. He can bring economic collapse. He can bring epidemics of plagues that can take the lives of people. I want my kids, my grandkids, and you and your family to live in a land that is blessed. God is not going to sit idly by and America and many of its citizens in its arrogance vote the Bible out of school, bring evolution into the school, and take the Ten Commandments out on a cart, out of a courthouse. God is not going to sit idly by. But here's what he's going to do. He's going to call on this preacher to challenge you to do what is right to bring repentance and revival to this land. And that's what we're going to challenge you with this afternoon. Don't leave discouraged. Don't leave mad. Don't leave upset. God is still on the throne. God still sends revival. And there are 
thousands of churches this morning that have not forsaken the true God and the true word of God and are proclaiming it as heralds all across this land. And if we will respond positively and be on board and understand where the blessings come from, which we're going to show you this afternoon, we will see revival in our land. And that's something to be excited about. That's something to be on fire about. That's something to roll up your sleeves and get to work. You can stick your head in the sand or you can be critical or or you can get to work according to God's word. I'm rolling up my sleeves, and I want you to join me. We've got a job to do, and I'm excited to do it. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.